Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Authority Podcast here on the B Podcast Network. We got something special for you today. Sometimes we like to do things a little differently here, and we're doing that today. I'm pleased to be joined by DC Glenn, also known as DC, the brain supreme of tag team. DC's a writer, musician, actor, voice actor, a lot of other things that he'll tell us about. You may know him best from with his tag team partner, Steve Rowland. They had the songs, Whoop, There It Is, multi-multi-platinum song. And the Geico commercial scoop, there it is, in recent years that has kind of brought that back and introduced some new people. So, DC, welcome to The Authority. Hey, man, good to be here. Thank you. So I wanted to start. Your career has gone in all kinds of directions. You've done a lot of different things. If it's possible to kind of do the short version for folks who are just getting caught up, right? Tell Mm -hmm. us about your career, where it started, where it went next, where you are now. We're going to dig into each of those things individually, but I think it gives us a great foundation to look at that trajectory. Well, I'm from Denver, Colorado, and I had an incredible childhood because we just got to play. Mm -hmm. And I had wonderful parents and they worked hard and they taught me well. They raised me well. And I switched high schools in the 11th grade, went from Catholic school to public school. And that's where I met Steve Rowland and a couple of other friends. And Steve had a band and I was like, I gotta be in that band. And in high school, I worked in the truancy office giving out passes. And there was a Dr. Joyce Davis who conducted the choirs for Manuel High School in Denver, Colorado. And I used to hear beautiful music and she had a choir and I was like, I gotta be in this choir. And that was my first high school dance at that Emmanuel High School. That was the first time I saw two turntables and a mixer and a DJ cutting and scratching. I was like, that's what I'm gonna do that. And I became masterful all three, graduated high school, went on to college, Sac State University, DJed all the frat parties. Then my boy, Johnny Z, Rated Z Records, who we stayed on the same floor and became real good friends. And I taught him hip hop. He taught me heavy metal. And he had got a four track for my freshman year. He didn't know how to use it. So I was like, I'll learn how to use it. Then I started making songs. And I would make these songs like 10 songs deep. And, you know, my partner had an 808. And I wanted to use it, but he's not. But you come over and record on it. And I recorded beats on to this four track. Then finish the songs out, send them to Steve. He thought I was in a devil worship because I was using anything, pots and pans, flutes, whistles, beatboxing, whatever I could to finish the song. And I learned how to make a song and I became a writer because I had to write for those songs because I was tag teams DJ at first because the band was the business band. I got in the band, but then young people disband once you graduate high school and it was just me and Steve and we were tag team and I just never forget that the ability to make songs is what changed everything. Fast forward, I finish up in college and I went down to Atlanta because Steve had moved down there to go to the Art Institute in 88, I think. And I went down there and I knew I was going to move to Atlanta. So came back, finished up, packed my U-Haul, drove down to Atlanta and probably within, actually kind of was working on the job at CNN was trying to get a job at CNN because that my major was communication. I wanted to be the next Dan Rather. And I went to this club called Magic City, which was adult entertainment club. I'd never seen anything like it. That's kind of what brought me to Atlanta. 
And the night that I went was the night that Do the Right Thing came out. Spike Lee, Do the Right Thing came out, 1989, that summer. And the DJ was drunk and he was messing up. And I was like, whoa, I could DJ here. I could do this for the summer and then get on some, go do CNN. That's always going to be there. And talked to the owner, Michael Barney Magic. And he said, I don't need a DJ, but come see me Monday. I went and seen him Monday. He's like, I don't need a DJ, but I need a cook. I was like, I can chef. And he said, you'd be the cook and backup DJ. I'm going to hire another lady to cook, too. I think I cooked two orders of chicken wings, made a couple salads. And the day shift DJ was like, yo, man, can you DJ for me? I'll go run some errands. And he broke the cardinal rule of, of that era, which is you never let anybody on your stuff because they will take your stuff. And once I got on to start DJing, the girls loved me because they had never heard anything like that. And after that weekend, I was the head DJ at every club I ever DJed at in Atlanta. Fast forward a couple of years, I'm frustrated because we're doing music, we're making songs and people like it, but we're in the land of Booty Shake, which is Atlanta, Georgia, in the South. And I knew that we had to make an up-tempo record, but we weren't bass artists. But I said, but I'm a hip-hop artist, so go back to the essence of hip-hop, which, to me, is Planet Rock and all those electronic records at the beginning of hip-hop, which Craftwork and, you know, Alan Afish and all those records, right? And went to Steve, was like, we got to make something up-tempo before we get out of here. And our first attempt was, well, there it is. And it was the summer of 92, and I played it. We recorded in the studio. I had to work that night. I'll never forget it. Bought my records in, made 15 minutes in, popped in a cassette, played it. And to this day, it is the biggest response on any record I've ever had. And my hubris was like, well, every record I do is going to be a hit record. So I kind of shelved it. And maybe three or four months later, one of the girls was like, why don't you get play? Won't there it is. I was like, I'll play, play it again. Same response. One of the record reps back in the day, Alan Cole from Columbia was like, what is that? I was like, that's my new record. He was like, give me that. Took it to New York. Now Columbia Records is calling me. Then I just started bidding war with everybody. Epic. A&M, all these labels are calling me, but they don't know what to do with it because back then it was just New York and L.A. And I almost gave up, but a friend of mine, Lisa McCall, told me to call a gentleman named Al Bell. And for those who don't know who Al Bell is, he used to own Stax Records at one of the first three, one of the first three record labels in soul music. And he called me, I called him, called me back a couple weeks, and I'll never forget it. We had a good conversation. I was like, look, I got a hit record, dude. You got to sign us. He was like, okay. I was like, you haven't even heard the record. And I'll never forget these words. I was like, don't play with me. I don't have to hear the record. I hear it in your spirit. Let's agree to agree. I was like, cool. And I gave my two weeks in Magic City, signed a messed up record deal, and a month and a half plat- tag team was platinum, and the rest is history. Yeah. And Stax, yeah, if I'm not mistaken, Stax was... Otis Redding's label, a lot of musicians of that generation. Yeah, yeah, Stax, you had Motown and you had Philly International. Mm -hmm. And they all were, you know, they all were friends, but they were all in competition with each other. And it just worked out. And he had put out a record the year before called Daisy Dukes by Deuce. And it went gold. So I was like, I can deal with gold. And... I mean, a month and a half platinum was unheard of back then. And 
just been grinding ever since. You know, we ran into the red company went bankrupt, and then we were probably involved in maybe a 20-year legal battle. But that made me who I am today, because I always look at the glass half full as opposed to half empty. So I'm just different, dude. What did you think at the time, you know, if you can recall, right? You described basically it was high school where you kind of said, okay, music, this is what I'm doing, going in this direction. And then each thing kind of came after that. And then, okay, you get to the point where you've had a major hit, you've hit the top of the industry. But if you went back to when you started, where did you think it was going? Did you say, this is what I'm doing forever? This is what I'm doing. And then we'll see what happens. <laughs> this is what we're doing and we'll see what's next. Because obviously since then you've done a lot of different things, but it's a field that I would be interested in what the people around you thought about that. It's a big swing oh, everybody to get into crazy. an entertainment business. Everybody thought I was crazy, man. Yeah. Parents were like, we didn't pay all this college money for you to go be a rapper, right? And people used to laugh at me when I started DJing, but I, it never phased me. I knew what I wanted, right? And I knew I was on the cusp of something. I was at the beginning of something. And it was just fun. Growing up in that era, the 90s. Come on, right. man. Going to school in the 80s, it was like, man, I had the best of all worlds. So for me, I knew that the music industry was shady, but I still did my due diligence. But mm -hmm. it just didn't work out because the lawyer we had was a paralegal. And, and then it was just situations where I could have became an old, bitter rapper, but I'm a grown-ass man, and I take responsibility for my actions, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't blame anybody. I just pin my ears back and come out the situation and vow that it'll never happen again, and that's what I've done. And that's why mm -hmm. I was so successful after 30 years. It's 30-year anniversary of Wunk, there it is. Based on how things are going recently... I mean, your opportunity at CNN may still come because they, I, mean, I think they might need some help. But, you know, for me now, it's more about doing what I want to do because once it becomes a job, I don't want to do it anymore. So I learned mm -hmm. all these things, but, you know, people were like, well, can you do it for me? I was like, nah, how much you charge? I was like, I don't because I only do it for me because it's necessary for me to be my own PR. It's necessary for me to be my own marketing manager. It's necessary for me to be all these things so I can make myself efficient. And then I could teach other people how to do it. And then now everything is custom to me and nobody else can use my model. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my model is built off other models, but at the same time, it's still custom to me because my experience is what dictate how it goes and my intellect and what I'm willing to learn and how far I'm willing to go to meet the right people and be mass mentored by the right people and listen and humble myself to listen to people who might not know, but you just never know. Because you always have to find the positive and the negative. There's enough negative out there to yield so many positive results. It's like being able to flourish in the bizarro world. Mm -hmm. And you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> right. Well, if you're right. And but I think that's totally right. And and when you're talking about this is a big part of this story that, that we'll kind of get into here is about the continuous learning and education mm -hmm. and learning different skills and putting yourself into situations, groups, organizations, et cetera, where you're around a lot of people that know a lot of things that you want to learn from. And that takes a willingness to go out of your comfort zone. That mm -hmm. if you're never feeling a little bit of that imposter syndrome, like, mm, I don't know if I should be here, 
then you're not stretching yourself enough because you're going to be around a lot of people that know a lot of things. And if you have the right mind mindset, you can learn from them and benefit from them, network with them and so on. But if you're not willing to be there, you know, you'll just stay in the place where you're always the smartest one that knows everything. And then you're not really growing and you would not be able to do all, all these different things. I mean, for me, I've coined the phrase, learn how to learn. It's not enough to just learn. It's how you have to learn how to learn. Right. Right. How do you how do you learn? Well, go read a book or go do this. I don't even, I'd never tell kids that. I'd be like, look, learn how to learn. I'm gonna tell you my tactics, right, wrong, or indifferent. This is what I do. It just works for me so well. Like if I want to learn something, I'll get a course. I'll take every piece of that course, make it one course, fuse it all together, one video. Mm -hmm. And then I play it in a loop five times speed. I'll make a video version of it, an audio version of it. Now it turns into an audio book. So now it's infiltrating my brain because you're never going to learn everything off of one pass. But 40 passes at five times speed, you'll learn everything right. because you're going to stop when you hear something that stimulates your intellect. Wait right. a minute. I, I forgot about that. Let me, let me, oh my gosh, wait a minute. So it works learning how to learn. And that's what I do. And it has worked for me so well. I come up with combinations that help me just be way more productive, right? Mm -hmm. And people always ask me, how do you deal with the fear of doing something new and this and that? And I was like, you be scared. You can do two things at once, but you got to keep it moving. So like perfect example, I hate networking just the next, the next person. I'm kind of introverted. I don't like talking to people sometimes. So what I'll do is I to learn how to learn. I said, how can I do this without bringing attention to myself? And whenever I go to any conference, anything, I'm wearing a big Whoop There It Is t-shirt, which has evolved into a Whoop There It Is with a QR code on it. And that Whoop There It Is with a QR code in a room full of 500 people turns into, I'm the laser pointer in a room full of 500 cats. <laughs> right. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> because <Right. laughs> always forever, the cat will chase the laser pointer. You see what I'm saying? And now people are coming up to me, asking me, what do you do? How are you doing? What's going on? What's up? And then once you, once I got you, I got you. And I know what conversation pieces to talk about. And everybody right now, conversation pieces, AI. Mm -hmm. And people don't understand it. It's like, I remember back when we first had computers, everybody was like, computer's a devil. It's like, no, it's not. It's like, it's just going to be infiltrating your life in so many ways in 20 years. You won't even remember. Right. Because of our phones, because of everything that we do has a computer component to it. Right. I try to stay ahead of the curve. And I try to jump on things when they're new. But I had to learn how to learn to do that. You see what mm -hmm. I'm saying? So a lot of people will go take a course or take a, something. and they quit because it doesn't give them the satisfaction that they wanted, but you can't just do one thing. So I've learned that there is no quit pro quo. You just do these things and keep it moving because the fact that you prepared and even put yourself in the arena to try to learn it, it will come back and hit you in the head because you're planting seeds. Mm -hmm. You don't plant a seed, sit down and watch that seed say, okay, seed, I need you to grow. Come on, seed, grow. Man, this seed don't grow. I quit. That's what most people do. 
I'll plant that seed, keep it moving, right? Because you plant a seed, it's going to rain. You know it's going to rain. You know it might blow the seed away. There's all kinds of things that could happen. But if that seed survives and grows into a tree or a shrub or a tomato or whatever it's going to be, it will come back and it will let you know that it has grown. And now mm-hmm. you can move forward. Now it's time to put in the work. Right. There always comes a point where you have your aha moment, but now it's time to really put in the work. What are you made of? And I know I'm going, I'm willing to go to the ends of the earth to find the people who can teach me how to do things. So that's why I'm versed at SEO, versed at digital marketing, versed building websites, versed voiceover, versed acting, right? Because I put in the work. I'm my own publicist. I do press releases. Mm-hmm. I do all the things I need to do to promote me and put me in a light so when Google sees me, it knows where to put me. And now I can be found. So you can type in anything about tag team, anything about DC Glenn, anything about Cecil Glenn, anything about anything that has to do with me. And you will find my information and you can call me. And that's how it happens. Geico don't just call me. Geico found me. They wanted us to do the commercial, but they couldn't find, they had to, they had to find you. So if I don't have all these profiles filled out, right. If I don't have all these things done, well, they called the number, but I didn't answer. But they didn't wait. They called my agent for acting. Mm-hmm. My agent for acting calls like, DC, you booked a Geico commercial. I was like, Lena, don't play with me. We're in the middle of a pandemic. I haven't even auditioned for a Geico commercial. She was like, no, no, tag team. And I was like, oh. Went back, checked the phone. There was the message. And because I did that, the synergy was so incredible that I let my acting agent make the deal because that's what they do. So now I don't got to get lawyers on, got to do none of that. And it is the biggest, most lucrative deal I've ever made in my life, even bigger than Wolf. Yeah, so. it's a perfect illustration of a lot of things that we actually talk about a lot mm-hmm. here on the show. One is you have to be proactive. You have to get your information out there. You have to communicate. You have to make it easy to find. You have to make it easy for people to act on that because if in that case, Geico looked you up, couldn't find it, they would have said, all right, who else, <laughs> you know, who else can we might get? Have, they're, they're, and, I, and, and they might've had four or five things in the hole. And I actually learned from that because I said, okay, now it's your time to turn one opportunity into 10. Right. So I infiltrated that marketing organization. So I don't know how a marketing agency works. I'm my own ad agency now because I can make my own pitches. Right. And because yeah. I can make own pitches instantly with because of chat GPT, I can make a pitch for every idea that I have and put it in a pitch deck and now send it off. I can get it printed and send 10 copies to whoever it is. So if it's lying around the office and he's got beautiful pictures and it's short and sweet, big words, and it gets the point across, then I know that I've got a shot because all my stuff, all my pitches will be copywritten. So mm-hmm. if you take that pitch, I have recourse because I learned from the bad record deal I was in. Right. I'm saying all these things come back to serve you, man. And you have to be cognizant of, you know, take the opportunity to let traumatic events be the positive thing in your life. And that's what I do. I, like I said, I could have became an old bitter rapper like most musicians are. That's why they have those shows. Where are they now? And, the story and you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's why they have those stories because people gave up and their story is so tragic because they gave up. 
And they asked me to do those shows. I'm like, nah, because I'm flourishing. My story's still going. You know what I mean? So I'm not going to be in that position because my book has not been written yet. I don't subscribe to any narrative that people put on me because I know better. I know that if I'm going to put in the work, go get the education, go get the knowledge, then put my experience to it, it becomes custom, custom classic car, right? Yeah. It still runs, it's still in mint condition, it still goes, and, you know, it comes back around. Mm -hmm. So all these things that are coming back around, I can take them and make them brand new because I have the tools that I've learned to be able to do it. So... There's no excuse, man. One of the and one of the things you described that reminds me of one of the major differences I've observed between people who are successful in whatever and people who struggle is the successful people never view anything as a one-off, whether it's a relationship, whether it's some project they worked on. They always say, okay, now I learned that skill. Now I can do that again. Or now I know this person. Mm -hmm. Now we might be able to work together again. And you're always thinking ahead, the people who struggle or who at least work really hard <laughs> because they're always trying to start everything from scratch again, instead of saying, how can I build from that? What did yeah. I learn from that? How can I connect um, dots? Right. Or, you know, and you talked about, I, I love the, <laughs> the analogy of the planting the seeds because I yeah. use that a lot with respect to right, like cultivating relationships, opportunities. Mm -hmm. you get it started and then you have other things going on and you trust that it'll flourish and it actually came up in an interview i also recorded recently i hadn't heard this before but the, the author george rr R. martin of the game of thrones series mm -hmm. the way he describes it is there's two types of writers architects and gardeners and architects know from day one they have a blueprint okay i know how everything's going to go from the time i start that gardeners they plant the seeds they water it and they see what happens. And that's so much of that mindset that you have to have toward the learning, being open to new things, learning how to learn, but also even learning what to learn and then how to learn it. So in your case, the music industry, notoriously shady business. Well, you went and took paralegal courses to learn to deal with the legal issues, digital marketing. And then that came around to having these major opportunities that came years later where there was nobody that was going to tell you to do that. You really should learn digital marketing, but it was, okay, I observed there's a gap here. We don't really have a presence online. And so that's the way you're found in this day and age. So mm -hmm. if we're not out there, how will they find us? And they'll move on to the next person on the list. And two things, man, one, I figured out how to do this because in the early 2000s, I was in the self-help kick. Anthony Robbins, Robert T. Kiyosaki. I went through all the books, all the audio books. So one book was, uh, Scott, he called this method getting in the corridor. He wanted mm -hmm. to do a pie shop. So he went and worked at a pie shop, learned every aspect of the bus boy. He, he was the cook. He made the dough. He did all this stuff. Then he quit, opened up his own pie shop. Then he franchised it. Then he sold it, $20 million. And I said, well, shoot, I'm in these clubs. Let me be in the corridor. So I'm not just your DJ. I'm your sound guy. I'm your light guy. I'm your 
I do all your voiceovers. I do all your deals for television commercials. I make your television commercials. I shoot your video. I'm your fashion photographer for the girls. I'm everything. You got to hire 10 of me to do what I do. Mm-hmm. You make yourself invaluable. That's the key to that. So if you're in a dead-end job, learn what your supervisor does. Learn what everybody does in that organization. Because when you do that, most people are going to be like, I ain't about to do all that work. But if you do that, it's not because you're doing it for the company that's not paying you or showing you any respect or have showing you that you're valued. This is for you to find the positive in the negative. And now when you get fired or if you get laid off or if you just decide to move on, your transition to the next bigger thing, you walk in with a tool belt of tools that you learn because you put in the work. And that tool set that you've learned from that organization might be perfect for the next organization. It can only serve you because you're going to figure out how to use that tool. And it's going to, life is baked in the cake. So problems are going to happen. Things are going to happen in life. That's what, that's the beauty of life is that we all go through the same thing through each age, some in different severity than others. But in all, we all go through these phases of life. And if you look at the people who have gone through them and learn what not to do, that phase is not as bad. You do that with business as well. So I've got a lifetime of learning what not to do. Then all I got to do is figure out what to do. Mm-hmm. And that's why I just hustle, right? All I do is hustle. I don't care. I play offense. I'm not, I don't care if it don't work. Because if it doesn't work, I'm going to figure out a way to make it work. Mm-hmm. or switch it up and see that's the thing all i think is solution and that's what i tell people i say look people look i love when people come to me with problems or excuses because most time it i'm sure it irritates you when people have excuses or have you know come just complain all the time but i welcome those as gifts because that's an opportunity to come up with a solution so i always ask like what's the solution i'm like what what's the solution they just like to complain or they just like to argue but i'm like well what's the solution Or I'll ask them, what do you want? If I'm looking at a solution, I'm looking like, how can I do this? Well, let me start with the most pie in the sky, fantastical, far-fetched solution. The beauty of that is that I see it, right? Okay, so most people be like, well, man, you can't do that. Man, you tripping. You can feel what people feel that way. So they're looking at it. They're not even looking at the steps how to get there. They're just looking at the vision saying, you can't do that because you're here now. And I'm like, well, maybe I can't do it. But what if I bring myself back an inch? Still can't do it. Come back another inch. Well, you're doing this, this, and that, which if you switch it a little bit this way, you might get there. We'll come back another inch. Well, you're doing this, that, that, and that, and that. Yeah, if you do this, that leads to that. That's that hole that's filled because of this to get to that. And what you're doing is you're working yourself back to practicality, to where you're at now. And what you've done is you've created a reverse stepladder to your goals and dreams. Mm-hmm. And now it's time to put in the work. You're building blueprints when you think like that, right? Now, you're going to tweak it as you go because everybody's like, you got to put a business plan together. Yeah, business plan is change. Mm-hmm. What if you don't get the loan? What if you don't get the funding? How do you adjust that business plan to continue on to keep moving? Because you see the vision if you already put in the steps. So you know there's going to be contingencies along the way. That's what you have to, that's where your strength comes from. And that's where your experience comes from. That's why you got to take every opportunity to make yourself invaluable 
to the people that you're around. I know certain things in life. Nobody's ever gonna give you anything. Nobody's coming to save you. Don't nobody owe you anything and don't nobody care. Once you realize that, now you're truly free and your mind is truly open to every possibility imaginable. I'm sure you hear people say it all the time. Well, they didn't teach us that. Well, they didn't, I don't know this. Well, they did me this way. Yeah. And that's life. That's already calculated in. What are you going to do about it? I know that nobody owes me anything. And for me to get what I want, you got to give what you want first. So if I want people to treat me with respect, I got to give respect first. If I want people to be on time, I got to be on time. I got to be a half hour early everywhere. That is why I've been blessed my whole life because my mindset doesn't allow me to be the victim on stuff that just don't make no sense or allow me to fall into narratives or allow me to fall into ideologies or allows me to fall in to just ways that don't serve me. Right. So I can see positive in any negative situation. And I don't mind. One of the main things I don't do is I don't react. So somebody's like, man, DC, you full of it. And I was like, okay, I'm full of it. But I don't get offended. I say, okay, what if what they were saying is true? What would you do about it? Right. They aren't true. They don't know what they're talking about, but let's do the exercise. What if what they were saying is true? What do you do about it? Hmm. Okay. I would do this, this, that, and that to get better. That's another tool in your toolbox. Now you're truly ambidextrous in life because nothing phases you. Now, all this that I'm saying, easier said than done. Right. It rips you apart inside, right? It stings. I'm screaming inside. But you find that if you don't react to things, all that negative energy turns into positive energy. Put it in your pocket. 10 minutes later, it turns into positive energy. And now it comes back to serve you because you didn't react. But how many times have you reacted to something and it stuck with you for two weeks? Because you just can't believe that person said that or that person did this. I don't do that. I'll be like, okay, just don't deal. You know, hey, they did it. Cool. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to grind. I'm going to hustle. I'm going to figure out a way. I'm going to learn that I'll never be like that. Because it irritates me so. I know what it makes me feel like. You see what I'm saying? So I'm not going to be that way. Even if I know I'm not that way. But you still have to be conscious of what, you know, and that's, that comes from what, you know, one of the things that you have to do the most is you have to listen to people. Because even if they're wrong, there's some truth in what they're saying. Because it's their truth. You hear it one way the first time, but then you realize it gives you a clue, right? I think one of the things that is clear to me has set you apart from people who may have been in similar circumstances in their career, but may have been more likely to to give up is maintaining a perspective on all the things you know and know how to do and saying, Mm -hmm. okay, well, I have these other skills. Where can that take me? Okay, I have these, uh, to this thing I want to do, it requires four skills. I have three of them. I need to learn the fourth, but I'm already a good way there. But there's a disconnect sometimes that there's a lot of companies, for example, of all types 
that the in-demand skills that they want to hire for are all the skills that educators have. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but educators don't necessarily recognize themselves. So they think I'm hitting kind of a wall here and maybe I want to try something different, change professions or just mix and match, do something, but what do I know how to do? It takes time to step back and look at it and say, okay, well, what are my skills, right? Because you're not defined by a title, just like you weren't defined by a title musician, actor, you know, they're all different things, but it's like, what are the skills underneath that? And what is it required to turn that into a business? Just having the ability to be an entertainer, for example, is not a business itself. You're going to be relying on other people. Some mm -hmm. of them may be great. Some of them may not, but I know this and I can learn how to do this. And that gives me the motivation to keep going forward because I can see that I can achieve the next thing, even if this thing didn't work. And it's not necessarily even about motivation because I don't want to do the things that I do, but it has to be done to get where I want to be. That takes more than motivation. It takes just putting on your blinders and just doing it because you realize mm -hmm. that no matter how difficult it is, once you get it done, you can look back on it and laugh at it. And it's almost like it never happened. But if you're sitting there dwelling on it, then it's not going to do you any good. And it's just only going to keep you sequestered. You see what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. I just, I don't fall into those narratives, man. I just do it. And there's some things that I don't want to do. There's some things that take a long time to do. There's some things that I got to figure out. But once you figure out how to learn how to learn it, so then now you're free. And that's why, to me, pandemic is one of the greatest things that ever happened in my life. Now, the other side is the other side. We know what side that is. But the side I'm talking about is when that started, everybody asked themselves the same question. What the hell am I going to do? And everybody had to stop at the same time. And this world got reset at the same time. And I'm like, oh, we're all in the Serengeti together. What are you going to be, predator or prey? And I said, I can't go do shows. I can't do this. I can't do this. But I can do this. And I reinvented myself on voiceover. Mm -hmm. And reinvented myself on voiceover, I record everything I ever do. If I take a class, I record it. It's recorded. So I got all these archives, of all this education, because you're not going to remember it in one pass. Never. Right. So I recorded it. And I went back and organized it. And I had to hear myself talk in 2009. It almost made me cry because I was ignorant, stupid, not like I am now. And it was just horrible, right? And depressing. But I'm listening to these people and I'm like, wait a minute, I know what they're talking about now because I never gave up and I became an actor. So my education and acting helped me understand voiceover better. Mm -hmm. They were teaching me the right way all along. I just didn't know the vocabulary. So you realize why you couldn't learn something. And then now I redid my first script and re-recorded it and it was angelic because it was the first time I had mastery over my voice. And I went through 40 classes and did every single script that we practiced over again. And then I started booking instantly because that was during COVID and I've got that voice. We're all in this together, COVID. And 
Now I'm booking and I'm booking my first movie. And you went back to sometimes it takes somebody else to say something to get clues to how to figure something out. My acting was horrible. It was hard. I was like, I'll never be able to do this. And then one day I'm doing a scene and I'm loud, happy to be acting. And my teacher, Natalia Livingston, she said, DC, that person is sitting right in front of you. Why are you talking loud? And she said, when you're on set, you're going to have a microphone on so you don't have to talk loud. And then I was like, wait a minute. I started looking at shows and actors are basically whispering. And once I learned that, boom, changed everything. Then I get a call from my acting coach. She's a casting director too. She was like, you want to do a movie? I was like, yeah, can you get to Nebraska? I was like, I got a hazmat suit. Heck yeah, I get to Nebraska. Flew in Nebraska, shoot my first movie. All my life, I had dreams of standing on that stage and giving a speech for an Academy Award. But I never really thought I'd be an actor. And now I'm an actor. Five or six movies under my belt, five TV shows. And I could do that forever. So that goes to show you that it's never too late. Like, Acting and voiceover. So I'll tell you, that's what the pandemic taught me. It's never too late. I'm in, what was it, 1994. I'm in the bowels of Disney teaching Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse how to rap because we did a Disney record called Whoop There It Went. And they're teaching me about voiceover. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm Whoop There It Is. I'm tag team. My hubris as a young man blinded me because the veterans of the game, the husband and wife team were teaching me. And I was listening, but I wasn't listening. Right. And I beat myself up for years, but now I'm a voiceover artist. 1995, I'm sitting in the office, president of New Line Cinemas, because it's a newly formed movie company. My manager went to school with him and he's like, yeah, yeah, I might want to cast you for this new movie we're doing. Wesley Snipes and LL Cool J are the leads and I might have a part for you. It's a vampire movie called Blade. I was like, yeah, 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 talk to Pam. We'll, we'll, we'll hook it up. And I beat myself up for years because I was there. Right. And my Aunt Judy, never, I love her to death. She's like, baby, sometimes in life, we're just not ready. And that's what I say to people who give up and think they can't do things. Sometimes you're just not ready. It's not that time. But you still don't quit. You keep preparing. You go back to it. Sometimes life dictates where you got to stop. But you still go back to it. And that's what I've done with all these things. I sucked at websites, but I never quit. Went back to it. I sucked at SEO, but now I'm masterful at it. I'm sitting here writing code, trying to build language models for tag team. So when all these language models converge, all the information in my narrative that I want the world to see forever and ever as my history book will be embedded in this society forever. One of like, the things that I also like about the acting profession is that all the actors, even the best, most accomplished actors, all have a coach. They all work with a coach. They never stop. They can win Oscars. So they can be at the very top of their profession. They're still working on getting better, perfecting their craft, learning which is encouraging whatever, wherever you are, if you're new to it or more experienced to say like, there's no such thing as it doesn't, it never ends, right? You're always going to get better. You can always learn more every day, but here's the beauty of it. I said to myself, I don't want to do things where one thing is riding on everything or everything is riding on one thing. 
So that's why I don't do music because I don't want everything riding on music. But to me, do music again, it would take everything I have. And I'm like, no, learn how to do everything else first. Learn how to do everything that you would need to do to be successful at getting that music out there. So that's digital marketing. That's learning how to do this, learning how to do that, hooking this up, knowing how algorithms work, all that to take advantage of it because it's not just me selling tapes out the trunk anymore. And that's the problem I see with a lot of artists that are my age because they're trying to work records like they did in the 90s and that paradigm is gone. But that experience can be combined with this new thing and now you have a new different paradigm. You're the innovator because of your experience. See, that's what Pete does. Everybody gets caught up in hating on young people for being young when they don't realize that we have something that they'll never have, which is experience. How do you leverage your experience in what they do to create a new model for them to follow? That's the teacher analogy I was telling you. My cousin was like, I ain't into AI. I'm scared. Of, I don't want the government's about to do this. They That's why I tell people stop saying AI. It's like, AI, you say AI, people start thinking Skynet, Terminator. You see what I'm saying? A Will Smith movie, what is that? iRobot. You start thinking all the negative things you can because people don't want to lose control. They're scared of the people having power. That is not what this is. This is mm -hmm. a tool. If you could learn how to write better in a week, would you not take that course? That's all this is. If you could put the, I taught, I had breakfast with my cousin. She asked me, well, how could I put together a curriculum? How? I said, what's the class? What do you want to teach in the class? She said, I want to teach young entrepreneurship. I said, you are a serial entrepreneur and educator. Put together a syllabus with 20 ideas on how to teach teenagers how to become entrepreneurs. Sent it to her in her email. Now she has her whole syllabus for the next semester. That. And even if you don't have it, you got the ideas. Then you hash out the ideas because you never would have thought of the, you never would have got the ideas if you hadn't did this. Mm -hmm. You would have been breeding your brain for ideas. All this happened in 30 seconds. Before right. I'm here, I'm sitting here, I'm restructuring the copy for an entire dental site with 30 pages. Something would have took me months to do takes me a couple days because I'm learning as I go. Because it's so fast, it changes every day. So you have to be on top of it every day. You gotta keep, you gotta keep training. Right. People are like, well, DC, what do you want? And I'm like, I want mastery. And even if I can't have mastery, that's my mindset. And if I'm in the ballpark, I'm good. I don't buy into nobody's bullshit. Everything is possible. That's how I see it. I don't care the color of your skin. I don't care as long as you're living in America. Because despite how messed up everything is or people think everything is, go try living somewhere else and see how hard you have it. We can do anything we want to, even if it's regulated. Because, And I tell people this all the time. I said, don't be mad because they made a new law that messes your hustle up. Adapt your hustle to the new law because, uh, to put money in somebody's pocket. So it's another learning curve. That's where we're at now. But not really because they passed up. They passed up because somebody's paying money to get it passed. So if you got 50 people and you're paying 30 of them, you're going to get something passed. And now you get to make money hand over fist 
and somebody else suffers. But the people want to be outraged at the person who suffers instead of learning why they did it and adapt your situation to that new law. Right. Yeah, everything that's complicated comes with opportunities, right? I mean, in pro sports, for example, in the NBA, in the NFL, the salary cap rules are so complicated that there's an entire, at least one person, if not more, on the staff whose job is to be an expert at, at the rules exactly. so that they can tell everybody else, all right, here's what we can do. Here's what we can or find do. the holes um, right? Come up with know, different scenarios. There's always loopholes, right? Always it's having, having the tools, you know, whether it's acting technology, it's having the tools available so that mm -hmm. you can use them when it's time to use them. It doesn't mean you have to use everything all the time, whether it's AI, right? I have to understand what the technology is, what it can do, what it's available for, so that I can decide how to use it rather than letting it <laughs> control me and later that's, on that's, because that, I was the one who never got ahead of it. That's the part that mm -hmm. I love is because at the beat, this started December 1st. It dropped OpenAI November 28th, December 1st. And everybody was putting in like, do this for me. Everybody thought it was a push button thing. Mm -hmm. I tell you to do something and it's done. It's like, no. And I thought that too. So it was like, okay, this works, this don't work. I'm now a prompt engineer because a prompt is nothing but the instructions. So if you don't give better instructions, you don't get what you want. So you better learn how to get better instructions. But by you learning how to get better instructions, your expertise on the things that you want to do comes across. And now you're teaching this robot and this robot is teaching you. And now you're elevating together in at light speed. Because now instead of saying, do this for me, or how do you do this? Or you're saying, look, you are a Pulitzer Prize award-winning journalist for the New York Times and an excellent copy editor. Mm -hmm. Please go over this bio and give me ideas on how to make it better. Proofread it, look for plagiarism, make it pass AI detection. And if you understand, say yes. And that part comes back and says yes, and it comes back and it spits out exactly what you want. Because you told it what it was, as opposed to do this for me. You trained that model. And you got millions of people out there that are training these models. That's why it's learning at a rate so fast because you've got the world teaching this robot. It's a billion people teaching it through all that expertise gathered over history. That's a good story. I would tell that story as opposed mm -hmm. to, well, AI can help me be a better copywriter. I tell the story of somebody who couldn't write that well. Like when I speak, I'm like, hey man, I'm gonna tell you a story of a guy who couldn't write word crap and he just, didn't believe in his writing and he did whatever. He had to hire people, try to teach people, but they could never write the way he wanted to write. Then come along this tool. And now this guy can write. It was like night and day. You just give those scenarios like that. And then you come back and that's like, you know what? That guy I'm talking about is me. Cause I can tell you that and show it to you. You believe it. I'd have to speak at this creative circle. It's like an incubator and they bring these people in and you know, they wanted me there. It's like, sit at a table so the table's like how to do marketing in atlanta how to get seen in atlanta but then they were like here start hearing me talk like you need to be at the technology table how do you leverage technology and there's 50 people at that table and they all wanted to know about ai and they all had their preconceived notions about ai and it was irritating 
but here's the exercise. It was example after example after example. And I let everybody talk. And I just started knocking them down one by one. And my favorite example was this young lady. She's from Nigeria. And her mother speaks a dialect called Igbo. And they were all complaining and giving me every reason why they shouldn't. Well, the internet is biased and they don't have stuff for us and they don't do this and the internet doesn't do that. And I want to be able to communicate with my mother because she knows a certain dialect, but there's nothing on the internet that can tell me how to do that. So it's the internet's fault. And I said, okay. I said, first of all, internet don't owe you nothing. Don't nobody owe you nothing. Don't nobody supposed to teach you nothing. I said, if you really wanted to do that that bad, you would go to Nigeria, get with your mother, and you would get a phonetic book or you'd get a dictionary and you would translate all these terms, make your own language model, have your own site up and do videos with phrases and then teach the world about that dialect. I said, what you going to do about it? You expect somebody else to do the work Thanks. when you could do the work. And now you've made everybody else's life better. You filled a void, but you think it's unfair because the void is not already built for you. That's the thing about young people, but not really. That's the thing about everybody. It's not a young people thing. Then one girl was like, well, Google just doesn't give me what I want. I was like, yeah, it does. I don't think so. It's biased. I said, no, it's not. I said, Google gives you the recipe. Everybody talks about algorithm this, algorithm that. Do you even know what an algorithm is? Algorithm are instructions, just like a prompt is. Google gives you the instructions for their robot. You have to feed that robot information because that robot loves data. It is gluttonous. So what are you going to be? You've got the recipe. You're going to be a short order cook where you're going, you know, that might be good when you're drunk at two o'clock in the morning. Or are you going to be a three-star Michelin chef? To where you are renowned around the world because you've given that robot the most incredible meal and now you've done that robot's work for it so now you're the one that puts the information into google and creates those narratives that can help other people that thing is a robot it has no bias they make algorithms so people don't cheat don't manipulate the system for security for other reasons and you're thinking it's because you can't find what you want in a search that it's biased and it has feelings and it doesn't like you because you're this or you're that. Like, stop with that. I said, if you want to show the world what you're made of, spend all your time answering questions. So when I build a website, I'm answering questions because somebody gets, we get up every day and say, how do I this in Google? We're searching for something in Google. And if there isn't an answer on the other side, we get frustrated but I'm looking at it the other way around. I'm the answer when you type in Google because I get to go see, well, there are a certain amount of searches a month for this question. Right. Well, let me answer that question in the format that Google loves in data form. So now when Google sees my data, not only does it put me where I wanna be, but it brings everything else I can in the universe because it's topical relevant to what I'm talking about. And now I've get a thousand keywords and a thousand keywords worth of traffic as opposed to one. You have to switch your brain. See, everybody's thinking about what you can do for them instead of giving what you want first. Give that right. knowledge away first. Everybody's like, man, you can get paid for the way you talk, DC. Yeah, but I don't care about that. I'm giving it away because if I help you, I help myself. 
I've come up with 10 ideas just from this conversation. I learn more from speaking. Mm -hmm. That's how I learn. I have different ways of learning. When I'm sitting in a group of people and they complain about this and that and people there and they don't have this opportunity and they don't teach us this and racism this and racism that, I'm like, you live in America. I said, you know what's baked in the cake, but can't nobody stop you from getting your money. They can stop you from getting a loan, but there's another way to get a loan. If a crackhead comes up to you and says, hey, can I borrow $100? You're going to be like, man, get away from me, right? But if a student comes up to you and has a business plan together and represents themselves well and has a schedule of how they're going to pay you back, you listening because they came to you correct. So why would you walk up in a bank just thinking they was going to give you money when people are coming to a bank to get money every day? They know who can pay them back and they know who can't. So why wouldn't you go into a bank with your stuff together? I'm being discriminated against. Well, maybe you are. So maybe you might have two things extra that you needed. So that's why, I, like with SEO, search and optimization, even the people that are masters that teach me are my mentors. I look at SEO as a 15 layer cake. They only do 10 layers, but I'm like, what's in the five extra layers? Right. So I go learn what they don't want to learn. Now I know it all. I know what every aspect means to everything else. Now I get to put in creativity combinations that are custom to me or custom to my clients or custom to this person or custom to tag team or custom to my affiliate products or custom to this and build it all out and then flourish. That's how Gary Vee does it. That's how Grant Cordone does it. That's how Ty does it. That's how all these people do it. How do they get to do it? Because most people look at one course and think they can do it. It's like, no, they ain't really giving you the sauce. The sauce is having the marketing funnel. If you don't got a marketing funnel, you're not gathering emails and you're not putting people in the funnel where you're leading them to drink. They might not drink, but a lot of people drink. A lot of people are thirsty. You can lead them to drink. And I just have no sympathy for people who make excuses. And I, even myself, I'm in a situation now where it's like, I don't want to do this thing because they ain't paying no money. And it makes me uncomfortable. Some keeps telling me to do it anyway, because I know I can get 10 things out of it if I do it right because of my hustle. But I just kind of don't feel like it. And that's okay too. It's like, okay, I don't feel like it. And I will suffer the consequences if something good could have happened. And I see that it does, I'll eat that. Because if I don't want to do it, I don't do it. I don't feel like it. But just that thing in me is eating me like, hey, man, you might need to do this. This could be something that leads you to 10 other things. And that's why I do what I do. That's how I am. And, you know, before we go any further, I want to thank you for letting me come on your podcast and run my mouth because I just love to help people, man. And I hope I've helped your people that listen to this podcast today. And I appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate you being here. So what's what's next? What's left to conquer? What do you want to, you know, do you know what you want to be when you grow up yet? I don't, yeah. I haven't figured that out yet myself. <laughs> Just mastery, man. I'm telling you, you know, for me, I have to say no to a lot because if it doesn't fit my big ball of focus, which mm -hmm. is this, then I have, to, I can't do it. Right. But if it's something that can fold in and serve me, let's go because I'm kind of doing it anyway. You got to kind of got to fit them into what you're doing already. Then it grows into something other than what you ever thought it would be, but it's still mm -hmm. yours and you're still on track, right? So it's not about what you want to be. It's about what you want to do. Mm -hmm. What do you want to do? What do, what do you want? Like I said, I want mastery. So I figure 
if I just keep hustling and learning, things start falling out the sky on me. Right. Opportunities start falling out the sky, but because there's no quid pro quo in my heart, I'm not attached to it and it doesn't affect me emotionally, right? right? So that's what that is. You know, I can admit, I love to be wrong because it's the path to being right. I got anything negative I could turn into positive. I could take any emotion, fear, envy, hate, loathing, disgust, whatever. Sound like Yoda. Yeah, but service often is is the best mindset and also being able to see multiple steps ahead and saying, look, even if I don't know all the way out into the future, let me work on something that connects to other things. And yeah, then man. there's, it can go further from there, but it does take, you know, it sounds easy, like you said, but it takes a certain vision to see that and to say, this thing over here, this is isolated. If I'm working on this, this is all that it is versus this other place. And then to say, okay, who did I meet? What did I learn? What other conversation can we have? What else can I try? <laughs> what can I do? That, that's, it leads you in a good why, direction. That's why it's called project management, right? Because you can see it from 20,000 feet. Hey, before they had computers, before they had the big monitors, what they have, a big map on the table. And they were moving pieces with a stick. But they had that map on the table because they could see everything. That's what project management is. You can't see everything. Things pop in your head, right? You forget things. When you have it all in front of you in a mind map, this goes to this, this goes to this, this needs to be done by this, this needs to be here, this needs to be there. Now you've got structure. Now you're incrementally moving forward instead of moving backward or stuck. It took me a lot of time. I'm still not good at it, but that is my path now. Because if I want to get to where I got to be, I'm going to have to do this on my own. Everybody said, we can't do it on your own. I was like, well, I'm going to have to. So I better figure out a way to do it. Because I know there's other people that do it on their own. And when it comes to where I have to hire people to do it, then hopefully I'll be making enough money then to be able to do that. Because I don't like spending money blindly. Right? Because, and that's what happens. You hire people over-promise and under-deliver. And that irritates me more than anything. Because I don't have time for that. I need people to do what I need them to do. But then you realize that only you can do what you do because it's custom to you. Mm -hmm. If I was selling coffee, cool, different thing. That's universal. There are things that are universal that apply to certain to everything. But when it's custom to you, it doesn't apply. You, you that universal that universality or universal way of thinking doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And you try to make people write for you, and they write how they write, which doesn't does nothing for you. You're not happy with what they wrote because you know how your narrative is and how you want it to sound. So the best way to do it is learn how to do it and do it yourself. And then have somebody who's better than you at it, edit it. You see what I'm saying? There's ways to get it done. You just have to figure yeah. out the combinations. That's all. That's the key. The key is building these combinations and not letting it hamper you and continuing to play offense. No matter what. I like that. So what are you working on now? Where can our listeners learn more, connect with you? It's AI, everything AI. Right now, I'm, I'm developing my own language model, which is Tag Team GPT. Because okay. what happens is that all the stuff on the internet is old. So if somebody, if you pull a bot, like the bio you probably read from is old. 
could be updated, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just good to have updated information in a language model. So it'd be my own language model. But then if I upload it to ChatGPT, now it's in ChatGPT. Well, if I upload it into BART, because there are a whole bunch of language models now for right. Llama is Facebook, BART is Google, ChatGTP is the open AI, right? These models are, are going to start pulling from each other mm -hmm. because search is still there. So it's Bing, Bing and Google, they're merging whether they believe it or not because other people, because this is just a theory. I'm going to build my language model and put it in all of these chats. And then now they're going to work with each other. So when people go and search for tag team, they got my narrative. They got all the relevant information. They got what we're doing, how we're doing it. Not what we did 20 years ago, what we're doing now. That is, is that changes the world for me. Because now I can be ahead of the curve. And that's going to help us get shows. That's going to help us get TV appearances. That's going to help us get more commercials. That's going to help us do whatever we want to do because the song stays relevant. It's a good song. And this don't, a 30-year career off of Wound There It Is don't happen if we don't hustle. I hustle, period. And I'm never going to stop. I love it. So that's what I'm up to. I'm a prompt engineer, which I do is I just build instructions. Mm -hmm. So if there's something I want to do, I do it line for line. Break it down. That's where that solution thing comes from. Look at the vision, the pie in the sky, you see it. Now write down line by line what you can't do and come back to practicality. Throw it in the chat DPT or, throw, or, or say, now write me a prompt with this information. And I'm going to leave you with this analogy because I would be one of these human beings that did that too. In the late 1990s, DJs started DJing with CDs. I was like, I'm a purist. I'll never DJ without no vinyl. I'm always going to be vinyl. And then life passed me by. And I almost lost jobs because they everybody restructured their paradigm. And I had to hurry up and catch up just so I could, I, I could maintain. And I vowed that'll never happen again. So when something new comes, I'm learning it. I'm not shunning it. Like when crypto came, I learned all about crypto, had crypto coaches and everything. It didn't go the way it was supposed to, but I learned it. But you never know, but that thing, that, it's going to come back because that concept is not a bad idea. Just like AI been around forever. It wasn't a bad idea, but then somebody came up with something to where everybody could use it. And if you stayed with it, now it comes back to serve you because you never, it was always in the back burner. So don't stick to that traditional way. That traditional way is experience to put on top of this new cake that you're making, this new recipe. Nothing better than grandma cooking, right? That's so true. Mm -hmm. But, you know, going to Ruth Chris is good too, <laughs> right? Right, right? But at the same time, that experience of that cookery and all them lessons and all those meals that have been made over years that you love, you're the robot that those recipes are for. That's, the, that's what you like to eat. That's your favorite meal. And with Google, it's JSON LD. It could be words. It reads words. It reads all that. But it loves that schema. That's his favorite language. And I learned that from, I know that from scratch. And so now I get to be a three-star Michelin chef cooking up, cooking up dishes every single day to get what I need out of society because Google places me on the first page, any page I want. And that's where most businesses go wrong. They're worried about, AI going to steal my job. I'm going to lose my job. This is like, yeah, but. 
your website not optimized. So you're leaving money mm-hmm. on the table already. And I can tell you 95% of people's websites out there are not optimized. Mm-hmm. So if I had an agency, I'd be flourishing, but people don't want to pay to get that done. So, and I'm just don't want it to ever be a job. So, hey man, I got to get back to work. <laughs> Listeners, this has been DC Glenn. If you're wondering why he's called the Brain Supreme, now you maybe you know. Uh, keep an eye out. <laughs> yeah. You'll see him. You might see him on TV. You might hear him. You might not know it. I was listening to his voiceover real he's done the daily show the mandalorian cadillac lexus budweiser i said oh i've heard these (laughs) so a little bit of everything they had the ad week's number one ad of 2021 with scoop there it is which i do have to say this roger bennett of the soccer media team men and blazers called it a delirious daydream that belongs in the smithsonian so we have a little bit of everything here so check that out we'll put the link to his website below and yeah dc thanks so much for being here thank you my friend guys have be safe out there have a good evening this has been the authority podcast hosted by ross romano edited by gage sanderson